What is up, Mr. Seth Perosi? How are you, man? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm good, man. Is that part of your new uh, fall line? Oh, the hat. Fuck yeah. And the shirt. Nah, this one we've been doing for a minute. You're very pumpkin-esque. You're very looking very pumpkin Fally, pumpkin-y. You, you know my basic white bitch ass loves this shit. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. We, uh, I don't think, I don't think Hostile could pull off the, the camo kind of hunting roughneck hat, but I, I like the hat. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, this. I tell you what, they're a fucking pain in the dick to source right now. Yeah, I can imagine. Everything's getting a little difficult to source. Yeah, fucking ridiculous. I noticed that. We just. Uh, Started some doing some new pants and shorts, and the supplies are actually pretty low. How about how about how tough it is to get fucking shorts? Yeah, man, it, it's like and, like. Are you there, bro? It's actually like fucking nerve wracking. Yeah, I uh, I feel like the styles of shorts is limited, bro. Shorts are a fucking nightmare. <laughs> The second that we found like a pair of shorts that we actually liked, we're like, oh, fuck yeah, let's, you know, go in on this. And then we'd get a call and he'd be like, hey, you know, we can only get 75 of the black pair. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. it's like we can only get 75 large. And I'm like, but like, we yeah. wanted to order like shorts for like more than a couple months. We'd like to have shorts in stock for long periods of time. Yeah. Bro, it's crazy. Right now, sourcing is a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what I, have, I find I have trouble with is, it takes just takes a lot of time to get new clothing and get samples and try it on and and know that you love something because it's like let's say you buy a shirt right there's like a thousand different styles of shirts yes and hoodies so it's like okay I get a hoodie I get it printed I try it on I'm like nah doesn't fit right this the belt the the waistline doesn't fit right I gotta do the whole process over again it's like man oh, I don't know. it's fucking ridiculous because the one thing what you're trying to do is with your people you're like oh like i want people to like this because if i like it people are going to yeah. like it yeah and yeah. then you're like oh you know this one's great but there's just that one thing i don't want to hear about because i think I it's dumb i know and then all of a sudden you're like bro i'm fucking three weeks into this and i don't like any i know i know and everybody's asking me for fucking hoodies yeah but uh what's going on man how's everything going how's how's business how's the tricep how's everything Everything's great. Business is going good. We're busy as fuck. The arm is better. Um, you know, I have a newfound respect for people like yourself that go through multiple injuries. Yeah. Bro, it's not fun. No. It's, uh, it's not cool. Yeah. When like you, you, can, you can put on this facade like you're okay, mm -hmm. but then like when you're in the thick of it and you're coming back, like I'd probably say like the process of coming back was more nerve wracking than whenever I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Because when I couldn't do anything, I was like, yeah, I, I just can't do anything. I'm, yeah. I'm mobile. But then once I could start doing things and I'm like, I'm getting into it and I'm like, don't re-tear this, don't re-tear this. And then like, there's you're you're training, but you're not training to who you actually are. And like it fucking, it started fucking with me pretty bad. Do you feel weaker? Like, I don't want to answer that question a hundred percent just because like, um, I'll be six months at the end of this month. Oh, okay. So too early to know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like I get stronger every day. I can feel when it, uh, as I get stronger, but then dude, I'm still like, I don't know if I'm weak because I'm being a pussy, 
but I'm pushing it pretty fucking hard. But I'm like, I don't think I can re-tear it. I think I'm way past the re-tearing phase. I just don't want to do it again. And like, I'm tender. Like after a big chest day, I'm like, bro. I spoke to a therapist once and, and she was telling me one of the things that guys don't look out for, they, they always look for pain but they don't look for wear and tear like endurance wise. Like she's like, if your tricep starts to feel sore, that's a major indicator. Not, not sore, like painfully, but like almost like it's tired. She's like, if it gets, mm-hmm. t- if it gets tired, give it a rest because that's also yeah. an indicator towards retearing. Well, for sure. Because it's like, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, yeah, let's go back. Heavy chest day. Let's do big arms this week. Yeah, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And then, and then you think, Oh, I, my, you know, I'm doing back. Eh, tricep doesn't involve too much in back. Oh no, it fucking does. Yeah, yeah I was shocked. You're gonna be like, okay, so like this yeah. is triceps are in deadlifts too, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they are. I noticed it's been a while. The, the the disheartening thing for me is like when I I got ready for this last prep, I'm like, you know what, my arm looks okay in the front double. It looks a little off, but most of the time, it like it looks all right. The disheartening thing for me is I don't think my strength is gonna come back to where it was. Because like benching three plates now is more of a challenge than it was. So I, I don't know, but I feel like I might have tore something in my shoulder, but I don't. <laughs> I know that sounds really stupid, but. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, I'm like, I sit here and think, well, well no, the, way but... <laughs> the way I feel, I'm like, you know, and then Prisk, so uh, he did sonograms on all my shit, right? Because yeah. he's in there and he's just looking around. And every time I go see him, he fucking grabs my bicep. Yeah. And he yeah. starts feeling around in there because, dude, I legit tore my bicep, partially tore it, and, yeah. and just went along with it. What do you mean? And now, the, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. At the same time as the tricep, you tore the bicep? No, like years ago. Oh, way before. Okay. So on right here, uh, like right there. I, I can see so it. Yeah. He did sonograms all through it. And like my bicep, my right bicep just isn't as full. It hasn't been for years. And he's in there looking. He's like, have you ever had bicep trouble? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, just, you know, injuries and like, you know, just rubbing out your, 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 your soreness or having tennis elbow and things like that. He says, you tore your bicep. I'm like, what yeah. do you mean? Bro, a ton of calcification yeah. all over the tendon. And he's like, see this right here? He's like, this should not be visible. And I have this big, thick band that runs right through my forearm. And he's like, that's all turning to bone. He's like, you might tear your bicep. Yeah, I'm like, so I tore this and didn't know. And he says, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I have the same thing in my right bicep. I honestly think I have the exact same thing going on. I think there's a ton of people <laughs> that have done this shit <laughs> and are like, oh, you know, my arm's always sore and I just rub it yeah. out and take a break. Yeah. It feels better. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and, and but my arm, it looks the same size, like from a rear double and a front double. Yeah. But um, like I noticed it's lack of fullness. And then there's just certain angles where I'm like, there it is. It has to be from that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I think that's, that's fucking, like you said, that's wear and tear of 20 plus years of lifting weights. Yeah. Shit's going to break. See, you have a good doctor. You, your doctor did sonograms and took images and everything. I went to my doctor and he literally just put his hand in my tricep and he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is gone. This is gone. There's nothing there. I'm like, it's oh, not oh. There. I'm like, and I was so panicked. Listen, this is the thing. I don't, I didn't know very much about, cause I've had a lot of tears, but never surgical. Like I never had any surgery done on any of my tears. Right. Like oh, no the, shit. Well, the first one I was supposed to have surgery on was my, his, my, my uh, hamstring because yeah. it, was, it was a 12 centimeter tear off the bone. And they're like, 
look, we can reattach this, but hamstring tears are like probably the most reoccurring tears. And I was already like, I tore it twice. And the second time I tore it, I was already like 38. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm like, I'm not redoing this shit. So I left it. So this was the first time I had surgery. And I thought to have surgery, you got to get things done. Like the sooner, the better. Right. Yeah. So when, so when he did it, I was so panicked. I was like, okay, good. Let's do it. But like looking back now, I have, I would have gone to a different doctor and I would have had imaging done because I think I did some shit to my shoulder at the same time. And, uh, I don't think I ever got it corrected. So my shoulder's a little wonky, but I don't know. I mean, I get it done. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I, figure, I, figure, I figure at 42, I'm 42 now. I'm like, I'm not going to get everything surgically reattached at this point. Like what I got is what I got and that's it. Bro, I'm going to, I'll say this to, you know, we, we've sent messages back and forth to each other, but bro, you killed the prep. Looked outstanding. Uh, it was, was for, and I, and, and I don't mean to like, and I don't know how to say this nicely, but not. I know what bro, you're going to say. You being, you're being your age and doing this is pretty fucking incredible. You know, like I'm, Dexter Jackson's a fucking alien. We're going to completely exclude him from yeah. all conversations with older bodybuilders. Yeah. Bro, not many people your age are, are put, put in that level of, like you could just see the level of effort that you put forth and the sacrifice through the diet, through changing your physique, bro, you've been years. You've been talking about your waistline yeah. bro. years and yeah. your waist looked better at this age than it did at any previous age you had before. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I, I publicly you. people that, uh, I, I don't, I don't have it in me to do what you did and watching you do it. I'm like, fuck yeah, there you go, dude. Really cool. Man. <laughs> Thank, awesome. you. Thank you, man. I, um, I've had every single person I know tell me two things. One, I can't believe you did it at your age because you're an old fuck. And, yeah. and two, you looked like dog shit when you started. And I did not think you were going to look good. There was no, like, everybody was like. I didn't, I didn't say yeah. it. I'm agreeing. <laughs> every single person has told me when you posted your first photos, we were like, there's no fucking way. You look like shit. Like, just stop. And, uh. But that's what makes it even better because honest to God, I, I, I kind of owe it to Paul. It was, it was kind of in the beginning, I felt the same way. I would post photos and that's why I didn't sign any contracts. Cause I'm like, wow, you look like shit. Like you look really bad. Like you should never get on stage. And, and I deleted, you know, you take, you take progress photos. I deleted so many photos. Like you, you take like six or seven mandatory poses and I look at them. I'm like, Oh my God, delete delete they're just all nope. shit they're all shit and uh, i don't even want to scroll past them nope. <laughs> paul would tell me paul would, every week we'd take photos and paul would be like look man it, it's bad but it's getting better like it's getting better fast like week 12 looked better than week 13 even though you still look like shit like it's better he's like just keep going so so, <laughs> so i just kept going and then all of a sudden like around week eight things started to look like not bad. And then like week six, I'm like, I think I look pretty good. And uh, I was pretty happy with the way things oh, turned out. And I, I think, you know, pulling out of the show sucked, but honestly, I think most people don't understand is <clears throat> um, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. I didn't, I didn't really, it wasn't as much about the show as it was about just proving to myself that I could get back in shape and look like that again. So that was kind I, I of would. I agree. I agree 100% with that. Yeah. Like, I don't even think, especially, 
you know, everybody body, that's what makes bodybuilding unique is like, uh, is people as, as fans, people love to watch the competition. They love to see everybody go at it on stage. But for, um, but for us, do I still got it? Can I still do it? Because you knew that you weren't going to be the best you've ever been. Yeah, no. But you wanted to prove yourself. And the same thing, like right now, like I'm not like I'm I'm training hard again, and I missed I missed training and being so intense so much that I'm like I really don't want to do this. I'm not doing this for anybody but me because my mental stability like still needs it. Yeah, and that might be a little fucked to say that I need need this mentally. Like this intense yeah. balls to the walls training, but I, I do. And no. um, I, I don't. I, mean, I don't. I get the therapy part 100. percent But what? I, but do you think? Um, one sec. Let's just say hello to James here. Oh, sorry, oh, sir. <laughs> hey, can I tell you that Redcon basically copied this sweater from me? You know that, right? We have that exact sweater with the H on it. Well, this. Yes, that exact sweater. I'm going to call Aaron Singerman and say we have that exact sleep with short sleep and it says hostile on it listen i ain't getting fucking involved (laughs) (laughs) um let's leave it james we're catching up we're we're catching up with seth seth was telling us about we're talking about my prep and how it's kind of for us and not for and kind of something that we need to do even if we don't compete blah 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 so the question i want to ask seth is everybody always asks you if you want to come back or when are you going to come back or why don't you come back the question i want to ask you is have you ever thought of not coming back, but just doing what I did is, which is like seeing if you could get there, if you wanted to, even if you don't do a show. So that's for Seth or for myself? No, for Seth. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Seth went really quiet there. I thought maybe. <laughs> oh, you hear I, I was, I was like, I thought you were talking to him. My bad. No, no, no. I was, no that's, uh, what, that's what I thought. I was like, talking to me. I was like, I'm not done yet. No, he's, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm talking to you, Seth. I mean, <clears throat> have you ever thought of just doing it like I did where you just get into a prep and, See how far you can take it, even if it doesn't mean you're ever going to get on stage again. No, yeah, and and the answer is yes. I'm actually kind of, I'm actually putting myself back together to uh, probably do something similar, yeah. uh, because you know, uh, whenever you go on stage, like pro to go on stage, you got to run some serious shit. Mm. And uh, the one thing that I'm just, I'm just not going to run the heavy doses ever again or certain substances. Like I was. I was talking to the guys about Trenbolin and how ne- you remember making Finiplex H, getting the pellets, I don't, making Finiplex. I, I never made it, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I did. Because like, you're, you're, you're a crazy motherfucker. That's why I was telling everybody about it. But then, I, and like now, I'm I'm starting to sweat about thinking about it now. Yeah. Uh, I could never. I can't. I just can't do it anymore. Uh, but I do want to test the waters and see. Like I'd like to get to a certain size and then really put a package together, not for anybody else, but for me, the fans, for everybody to, to, to just, cause I know I could never look like I once did. I, I it's just not going to happen. Um, but I know that there is going to be a time whenever I'm like, I want to see how far I can push myself over like an eight to 12 week time period and just put it together. It won't be the same drugs. I won't have the same hardness, but I'll, it'll have a look for me like a nice tight waist, yeah. do like a little, uh, because I still everything about bodybuilding. Oh, no! Anybody that's a fan doesn't think it's cool to get on fucking stage and present like what you are, yeah. like pose to the music. Like that's what we all love watching. So yeah. I mean, yeah. it still runs in my head what music I'd pose to, all that shit. Yeah, but the thing is, you say, "Oh, I don't think I could ever look as good as I did." 
I actually think I kind of looked better in some, some instances. Like I know I wasn't as big, like 2015 Fuad was bigger, but like, I kind of liked the way I was looking. Like I was looking a little bit more athletic. If that's what you want to call it. (laughs) (laughs) 260, 260 pounds. There's also a freshness when you don't use certain drugs. Yeah. Well, he looks a bit fresher. Well, I'll tell you guys this, Seth, if you're going to do it, I'll give you some advice. Don't use any anti-estrogens. My prep, like I was using, I, I was, I felt great. Like from weeks, probably eight to five were my best weeks. And I looked actually really good and I felt full and fresh. And then, it, you know, I, I just, when I decided I was going to push a little harder, maybe get to a stage, I put the, anti-est- yeah. I put the anti-estrogens in and I raised the trembolone a bit. And I think mm-hmm. that that's when my health started to get a little bit fucked up. And that's when I started to feel worse. Mm. So I think if, yeah, I, th- I, I think I, if you're right, I think if you keep things on a lower dose and eliminate some of the compounds, you can actually just look really, really awesome and probably still feel great. Yeah, I true. will look athletic. <laughs> <laughs> being, and, being around 205, I'll look athletic. No, in your, in your head, in your head, you look athletic. Like I did in my head. I was like, I look like the rock. I'll <laughs> share something with you, Ford. The, um, obviously, I had like a week break after Spain. Yeah. And I came off the AIs for like a week and I felt so much better. Oh, minute you man. put them back in, day or two later, you're soulless again. It sucks. It fucking it, sucks. It, it makes you just a fucking. It makes you feel nothing. It makes you just like cold, and that's why I don't like yeah. that part. Yeah. For for me, it zaps the energy out of my life. Like one thing Seth said about. Um, I remember you were talking a while back about people were asked, kept bugging you about competing, and you were like, "Look, I got a family, and I got a business, and I need to pay attention to these things." And I can't pay attention to them if I'm fucked in the head. And Mm. I didn't really know what you meant until I did this last prep because now I have the business going. And once I got to like four weeks out and I started to really push, (laughs) everything suffered. My relationship suffered. Summer was doing like all the business stuff. I was just laying on the couch like a fucking mess, like just a pile of shit. Like, so. Yeah, I, I know what you mean now because there is a difference between what we do and just looking good. Like getting on stage that last four weeks is another level that I don't think people understand unless they've been through it themselves. And so. not only that, at that level. Yeah. yeah. Like in order, like James just, James just murdered a show. Yeah. Like at that level, we're talking you are the elite of the industry. You win a pro bodybuilding show, you are the elite. And anybody that is around James all day is like, he's a solid guy, just not whenever he's prepping. Like six weeks out, I don't like him. Yeah. But they love him, you know, and, and they sacrifice it for us. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very intense. And that's why I was, just talking to, I was just talking to the guys and on the podcast today, I was like, whenever you start to do something like, that's outside of the norm, whether it's like run a marathon or Bob's doing an Ironman, like do compete in a bodybuilding show. You're like, man, it's great. And then like doing it as an amateur. And then whenever you see the professionals there, you're like, like what I do is pretty hard. These motherfuckers are in another level. And it's like that, that means that everything's that much more exemplified. So, um, 
And it's just, uh, it's, if you're, everybody has their thing. And if you fall in love with it, you can do great things. And I mean, to be able to win a pro shows a massive fucking deal. And it puts you into a certain category. Hey, so Bob's doing an Ironman. Oh, he's two weeks out. Have you ever considered, you know, that's one, that's something that I know that people are going to think this sounds weird, but that's something that intrigues me. I know, not, oh, not, wait a minute, not, oh, a, not at two seven, not at 270 pounds. One of the things with my health is, I, and this isn't a fact because I've been talking to, I've been talking to Patrick a little bit and Patrick thinks that he can get me healthy without having to downsize, but I think I have to downsize. So we're talking about it. But anyway, the plan originally was that I was going to downsize and get, you know, lose some muscle and get healthy. And I always been I was always intrigued by marathon runners and triathletes because it's the same type of. To me, it's like the same type of craziness as bodybuilding, right? Like, okay, you're pushing yourself it past. It's it's like you're pushing yourself to a place where like you have to be fucked to go there, right? Bro, I'm telling you, this is one of the wildest things I've ever witnessed. Do you ever consider doing something like that or no? Why? No, never. because he's because he's been there. I like lifting. <laughs> Dude, it's the most crazy thing I've ever saw somebody do. The motherfucker was doing he 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 has to swim and then an Ironman for everybody. You have to swim two point four miles. Yeah, and then immediately after you swim your two point four miles, you get out of the water and on your bike and you bike for a hundred and twelve miles. And then after that, you get off the bike and then run a full marathon. How long is a marathon? Two miles. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> I'm gonna start training for a while. So, I'm gonna start training for one. I'm gonna post YouTube videos doing what what's what's the swim? How long do you have to swim? How far? 2.4 miles. Okay, I'm gonna swim like 2.4 yards. I'll just do like really small increments of it and they'll grow over time. That's insane. Look, this dude just He's he's on the bike. He bikes a hundred and he biked a hundred and over the weekend. He, that's like his big weekends. Doesn't do them together. But uh, he ran on Friday. Ran twenty one miles, and then on Saturday he biked like a hundred and five. And like we're talking a hundred and five miles on a bike. That's like six fucking hours. That's on a bike. Does he wear those spandex shorts to protect his balls? <laughs> Don't tell you me have that. to. Yeah, you oh, have to. Well, we were both hardcore about everything, like the fucking get up, all this. And yeah. I'm like, Bob, like, you got your, you know, you got your biker thing, you know, the straps yeah. and all this yeah. shit. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. And I'm like, pretty serious. The chafing involved. Yeah. It's all about chafing. Yeah. Oof, not chafing. Imagine. I can yeah. imagine. <laughs> wow. James, wow. James, did you ever do something like that? I don't know, but I've got some stuff for anti-chafe just in front of me over there. So I was going to go and grab it and show you what it is. But what what's anti-chafe for? What you get chafing? Yeah, I get chafe. Bit of thigh rub. Bit of thigh rub every now and then. Well, don't you wear boxers? Yeah. Do you wear boxer briefs? Yeah, but yeah, but you know, it's sometimes it might get a bit sweaty <laughs> when your legs are fucking thirty-eight inches. Yeah, I guess my legs exactly. aren't, my legs aren't big enough to know. <laughs> oh, I just the thing with the biking thing is the whole the, 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 the dick falling asleep. You know the whole cock not being alive for the yeah. majority of that drive i just couldn't handle he said, that they said that the testicles like that's the thing like big cyclists uh it just like kind of gets they go up in because of the heat oh, and, wow. and the mobility yeah, the heat not so much the dick thing it's more about the testicles well, oh, i thought it was the 
I thought it was like the nerves in your chota were getting crushed. That's what I thought. <laughs> is chota is chota the right like is chota the right name for that? I, I, I got what you said. I, yeah, I got what you meant. So it must be something. Yeah, but what's the technical term for that? Is it chota? <laughs> I'm going to say that's medical terminology. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's, it's got a pass for it. It's got a pass. All right, all right. Anyway, so what, uh, James? What's going on? You're doing another show now. Yeah, doing the British. You look more shredded already than your last show. Yeah, I think we're a little bit yeah. tired. Uh, a little bit, a little bit harder. A little bit fuller. Food's been. We kind of been able to stick on the higher days. Because my body's just like kind of running now, so yeah, yeah. It, it just it sees us in a little bit of a bad position. Um, just got to be careful that it doesn't run overdrive. So, yeah, everything's good. I just thought there's no point not doing it because it's qualification for next year. So try and wrap uh, that up as well, and then it's done, isn't it? So, yeah, makes but sense. If, it's on my it's on my home soil. Did you get any news about getting to the Olympia this year with the travel restrictions? Uh, nothing yet, nothing yet. So, but it's still possible, still possible. But we'll see. You know. I just want to get this show done, so then I've got options. Yeah, you know, I want to have options. It's gonna get start to get scary, man. Because if you're better, like I can't believe how much better you are this week than you were two weeks ago. Like the photos you posted yeah. today, I'm like, holy fuck! Wow. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? It's like you look better than Spain. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, that's exactly what uh, Patrick said, and he said you'll be even better in a couple of weeks. So I'm just, you know, if he says something, I believe it, and I'm just maybe I'm gullible, but I just I'm happy to be gullible because. Yeah, you but trust they, your coach. It's you know what they say. It's comfortable. The power of suggestion, man, and the power of like exactly. It's exactly that, and I'm letting the suggestion and I'm letting just pure belief run everything. You know what's crazy? I had a I used to see a sports psychologist, kind of life coach person, because I was fucked in the head and I couldn't get myself like calm before shows. And I might mm-hmm. he helped me deal with my anxiety and stuff, just anxiety, yeah. anxiety in life and everything. Yeah, yeah, it carries over. And um, he used to tell me he's like. You know, I've never met somebody, and this is not a pat on my back. I'm just trying to explain something. He's like, I've never met somebody as mentally strong as you. But your problem is when you think something negative, it's just as powerful as when you think something positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, yeah. So he's like, when you put your mind to something, you make it happen. But Mm -hmm. when you think something badly about yourself, that also comes true. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? How like you can. You can, I get it though. The same tool that can make us as the good as we are at what we're be. doing yep. can also completely fuck us in other areas. Yeah. But that's that's the whole perception thing, isn't it? And that's where you have to choose your environment and somehow trying to sway everything in favor of positivity. Like silly things like in the daytime, put put the radio on, listen to music that's uplifting rather than listening to silence. You know, yeah. silly little things like that are, are a way for you to um, kind of dictate where your emotions go. And if you can keep those emotions on the positive side of the line more often than not, you find yourself actually able to accomplish a lot more. That's what I kind of notice. So like I found the last week or so, literally I've been listening to the same fucking playlist every time I get in from my morning cardio because I'm bored when I'm at home because there's nothing fucking going on. If I listen to that music, it stops me stinking into that hole. Yeah. You know? I I just, I find it, I find it strange because he's like, you know, Kai Green talks about like visualization a lot and, you know, you see it in your mind before it comes to reality and all that. And it sounds really fluffy and people are like, okay, visualization, great, whatever. But this is actually exactly what he's talking about. That's that like self-speak that you talk to yourself about. Yeah. Like, like my, for, for example, my anxiety, like if I go to a restaurant, right? Let's say, let's say I go to like a fine dining restaurant. 
when I walk in wearing a shirt and you know, you're wearing a dress shirt and you're fucking 280 pounds, you probably look like a dork, but you do it anyway. Cause you're with your girl and you want to look like half decent. When I walk into that restaurant, the first thing that goes through my mind is all these people are probably staring at me cause I look like a fucking meathead. And then you fed it. But that's exactly it. You're feeding the anxiety. So that's what, that's what he's talking about is that, that, (laughs) um, that self-speak, whether it's you're in the gym and you're like, I'm going to fucking win this next show. Or whether it's you're in a restaurant and you're like, all these people are staring at me. That self-speak is equally as powerful. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's where I would be like, do you know what? If I was you, I'd focus on how good someone and is. I think... Go ahead. Go ahead, Seth. Sorry, no, just... I was going to say, and I think one of, the, the, no, one of the terrifying things feeding off of what you said and what you guys are both saying about how like, uh, like these things that we think of ourselves, well, we're pretty level-headed people. Like if you're like, well, I look like a meathead in this shirt. That's because you are a meathead in this <laughs> shirt. <laughs> and, you know and then what the, the anxiety, me personally, like whenever I have something that I'm self-conscious about and then somebody else recognizes that yeah. same issue that I'm self-conscious about, that's where that severe anxiety comes from. And even though that you could be successful or one of the best bodybuilders in the world or whatever you're doing, you're still a human being and you have these inconsistencies and why having a life coach or having somebody to shoot ideas off of is always good. Um, and making sure that you have the right people in your life for those, mm-hmm. for those areas that you're uh, inconsistent yeah. or inconsure, con- uh, insecure about with yourself. No, absolutely. You know, absolutely. for me, it's always been people busting my balls about being short and really? I'm like, yeah pretty sure I know I'm fucking short. Uh, and then they're like, oh, you got small man complex. I'm like, yes, I do. That's why I was a bodybuilder. I was like, all these things that, that, that I've done in myself to make myself feel better, those things are always going to be part, like being five foot six is always going to be part of my life. And I have, I'm like, I'm fine with it because I can't change it. And I like who I am. And the people in my life like me for who I am. But there's always going to be those people that will try and like, the one yeah, thing yeah. they can find about me is like, you're fucking short. And I'm like, thanks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, but it's one of those things that like, you just have to continue to train your, yourself to be stronger because if you're a good person and you work hard and you do good for everybody in your life, you really can't ask for much more than that. Exactly. This, this is what it's mean. It like, really comes down to appreciation of things that you have and are like, trying to focus on that because obviously there's always going to be things that you think are missing or not quite right but it's down to you whether you pay attention to those or not and like you say feed that mentality or not and um often if you just take a moment and breathe and actually count down from five to zero and think about all the things you do have and everything you've managed to achieve you'll notice there's a lot more positive than there is negative and if you do that every single time you find yourself getting in a position where it's actually very hard to fall out of that mindset um but you just got to practice really good there about counting down from like five to zero mm. or from 10 to zero, whatever it may be. Like you just, you do that. I'm imagining Fuad, you do similar things like that to keep yourself calm. I do shit like that all the time. Do you think everybody out there like listening and other people, do you think they use some of these same tactics to like keep themselves in check? Or do you think that they look at that as like a cliche, dumb bullshit thing that fucking therapists say to do, but they don't do it. I, I don't do I don't I don't do that. You don't. I recommend you should. I know, but this is what I do, and this is what I've taught yeah. myself. So there's a couple things I'll say about anxiety that I've learned about myself. Anyway, 
One, I challenge myself as if it's a set in the gym. Everything relates to bodybuilding to me. I'm sorry if it's really meatheadish, but I don't give a fuck. So when I'm, so I'll give you guys a perfect example. When I'm at a restaurant, I'll use the restaurant example again. Uh, let me, I'll use this example. So let's say I'm at the grocery store. There was a period of time my anxiety was really bad. I would go to the grocery store. I would stand in line. There's two people in front of me, right? If there's nobody behind me, I'm cool. As soon as somebody got behind me, I would get anxious. And I'm like, and if somebody got behind them and there was a couple of you behind me, I'm like, what the fuck? And that's how bad my anxiety was. I would literally leave the line, go walk around the fucking store and come back to the fucking line. So I was at the back. That's how bad my, I swear to God. And I did most of my grocery shopping at night so that that wouldn't happen. Avoid, yeah, to avoid people. So when I started researching therapy and how one of the most negative things you can do about like when it comes to anxiety is actually succumbing to it, which is leaving the line, like leaving the line means you just lost. So one of the things is it became a game for me. I'm like, I don't want to lose. I'm in this fucking line. I'm going to stay in this fucking line. I don't care if I start sweating. I don't care if I freak the fuck out. I'm in this fucking line. I'm staying right here. And then the second thing was, the second thing was berating yourself. The second thing people do with anxiety is I would leave the line. And then I'd be like, man, you're such a fucking idiot. You're such a fucking loser. You can't even stand in fucking line. Your anxiety is so bad. You can't even fucking like stand there. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? And that like berating yourself and that negative self-speak actually makes the anxiety worse as well. Of course. course. So for for me, it became a game. It became, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store or I'm going to go to the restaurant with my wife, whatever it may be. And I'm going to sit here. And if I start having anxiety, I'm going to fucking sit through it. And if it sucks and I start sweating, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to talk to whoever I'm with about it. So I'd be sitting in a restaurant sweating. I'd be like, I'm having an anxiety attack. And I swear to God, because they could see it. Like they could, I, my whole demeanor changes, right? Oh, yeah. and, and most people would be understanding. They'd be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm cool, man. I just need to like deal with it. I'll be all right. Let's just you know, carry on a conversation. And I would kind of force myself to sit through it. And if it got really bad and I couldn't and I had to go out for some fresh air and come back, the one thing I never did was like berate myself about it. I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Live to fight another day, fight the next battle. And it became this war of attrition with myself. And to be honest with you guys, the only time it got better and the only time I think it gets better for anybody with anxiety is kind of what you guys were talking about earlier, which is one of the things I was getting from what you guys were talking about was uh, being comfortable in your own skin. And that's what you're talking about being short is once you accept who you are, you're like, I'm short. I'm five six. That's who I am. I don't care. I'm Seth. I'm short. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. Sorry, I keep saying short. I won't say it again. <laughs> You're old. It's okay. But like, once you accept that, like the rest, the restaurant being a meathead. Like, once you accept, when you walk into the restaurant, you're like, I know everyone's gonna look at me. I know I don't look great in this dress shirt, but this is who I am, and I like who I am, and I like the fact that I'm a bodybuilder, and this is part of the territory. Well, that's the thing you've just said now what you've just done is you've just thought about all the things you like about being you but it's that's almost but so it's important. more but you it's do more that, about, it's so important yeah it's more about acceptance though i think once you yeah. accept the acceptance more, comes from yeah. from where you choose to focus yeah do you know yeah. what i mean like you just yeah. chose to focus on those attributes yeah. that you are happy to be part of yeah and there's a lot to be you've got a lot about you that you like yeah and it's important to recognize that Go ahead, you, you're saying that you have uh, some anxiety. When did all this like actually begin? Man, I think it's always been there. 
you know, but you attribute a lot of it to just nervousness. Like I would be like, I had friends in high school, but maybe not at the start, like maybe not in grade nine. It's weird. Like I came up, I came up in a school with all white kids and I was the only Brown kid and I experienced experienced some racism and you don't know what it is. You don't even know what racism is at that time. Yeah. So I had a couple friends and I was like kind of a nervous kid. And then like early in high school, I was still kind of a nervous kid. I played, started playing football and I kind of came out of my shell a little bit. But I think back then it was just, I just thought it was just me being nervous, just being like a shy person. Yeah. Sure. When I I started doing steroids. Emphasized. You know, steroids, you know, look, if you're going to be a big guy, steroids going to make you huge. If you're going to be, if you're anxious, it's going to make you more anxious. So it just, it's a fucking amplifier. It's what it is. So no, I was curious because uh, whenever I was young, I was, I was very shy and uh, like just unsure of myself. Yeah. Like, and nobody ever really, it just kind of stemmed from me just, I don't know, I had school anxiety, anxious in front of a lot of people, never, didn't really want to do any public speaking, no. nothing like that, no. and uh, just made me uncomfortable, and I don't think I'm a super anxious person anymore, I think over the over the years, I've gotten away from it because the self-acceptance of, like, this is who I am, like, yeah. I'm, I just, uh, I've realized that I'm not going to change, and I've had success being myself, and I like who I am, but that doesn't mean that there aren't things or I think bad about myself every now and then or like get down hard on myself if I make a mistake or if I make a bad decision. Um, but I think the, the ability for everybody to have these um, uh, like little like mechanisms to help build them back up, like yeah. internally, like self mechanisms and having good people around. But I was curious because same thing, like just I had school anxiety, but never knew what it was. I was like, oh, just shy. Yeah. Um, big test, I'd freak out. Yeah. Even in college, if there was a big test, I'd be like, fuck this shit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, people today look at what I do or what you do, and same thing with you, James, like on stage in front of a ton of people, on the internet talking to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, videos with millions of fucking views, and we're here like, yeah, uh, when I was a kid, I was a fucking nightmare. There's <laughs> or, a... It, people would be like, I can't believe that you guys have these thoughts. And I think that, I think many people do. I still, I still, how can I put this? When I'm on a big stack, I still struggle with it. it the steroids makes it worse. So if you have anxiety out there and you're on gear, it's worse when you're on, man. So it's definitely part of the thing. I'm just telling you, it sucks. Like it's not, it's, it's part of what fucks you up even more, but the thing with the talking and, you know, I always wondered that too. My mom would say that to me. She'd be like, why are you shy? She's like, you go on stage in your fucking underwear. And I'm yeah. like, there's a disconnect, right? Like I yeah. tell people, I tell people the story of uh, Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson used to be riddled with anxiety. Oh, really? He wouldn't talk to anybody. He would stay. I learned this when I, when I was reading about anxiety. Cause I, it, it always helps you to know other people have anxiety too. Right. Yeah. I guess, I guess he would sit in his green room, not talk to fucking anyone. When it was time to do the show, he would come out, the lights would go on, and he'd be a completely different person. When the show wrapped, when the show wrapped, he would leave. And when the season was over, he would go on his boat and fuck off for like this, the off season by himself or whatever he loved or whatever, and then come back and do the show. And I feel like it's the same thing. There's a disconnect. If I'm in a room with you and me and you got to talk, we're connected. If I'm on stage in my fucking underwear, I, I can't see you. I'm doing something completely different. Right. So it's like, it's not the same. Like, I guess 
and it's also what you're confident about, what you're not confident about. Because in high school, if you asked me to do a speech, it was I would be shaking the night before thinking, I got to go up in front of the class and talk. But now you put me in a pair of underwear and put me on stage and I'm like, cool. But it's like, because you're prepared for it, right? You're like confident about it. So, and you, you, already, you know everything that you're going to talk about because you're not going to lie. That's right. There's nothing to lie about. You're like, oh, yeah, you're up on stage and you're fucking gut cheese. Yeah. Fucking butt cheeks hanging out. You're like, yeah, they're shredded. You want to see them again? They're great. <laughs> it's, uh, People ask you questions and it doesn't even phase you. Good, good point. Yeah, there's, the, there's, a, there's a lot of different factors that come in. But, um, I mean, it's just it's, – it's wild. It is, it is crazy. I think a lot – I think there's – I think most people in fitness and bodybuilding have similar, similar mindsets with it. Yeah. Because we all started to feel better. The self, the self acceptance thing too, it comes with age. I think it's hard to accept yourself when you're 23 and you're having all these thoughts because you're so unsure of yourself. Yeah. 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 Because I didn't like start to realize I was okay with who I was until I was like 35. You know, you're like, not established. You're not established yet. You're in your twenties. You haven't found who you are yet. Yeah. And when you haven't found who you are, of course, there's questions. And that's the problem, you know. And then when you get to your 30s or, you know, whatever, maybe even later, you finally feel like you've planted your feet where they should be. And then that's when you can kind of accept who you are and move forward. Because I feel like when I hit 30 is when that began. Yeah, yeah. In my, in my 20, I was the same in my 20s. I was like, mm, I'm in an R in like, is this what I'm about? Like, I'm, I'm not certain. But then you reach an age where you're like, you know, I am happy with who I am now and everything going forward is, you know, I'm confident in the person I am and the stability I have in, in this character. I know you've talked about some struggles you had growing up, James. Did you have like a social anxiety as well? Kind of like me and Seth are talking about? Um, a touch with girls because of the whole bedwetting thing I had, because obviously that's very embarrassing. And, uh, I don't think Seth knows about the bed. The bed. Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah. So when I was uh, younger, I used to wet the bed. I wet the bed till I was about twenty, maybe a bit older. Um, I had an overactive bladder, and I had to have an operation on it. And um, oh, fuck. wait, yeah, wait, can, so I, can was, I can I interrupt for one second? I'm sorry, I want to interrupt for one second. Yeah, of course. Seth, of course. Seth, this is how hardcore fucking James is. He did a show with a catheter in his dick that he had yeah. to drain himself because his body didn't like he wouldn't go pee, so he had to drain the catheter himself. While he was getting ready for a show, and you know, you, you know how much you piss when you're when you're competing, so he would have to drain his bladder and put the catheter back in during a prep. Yeah. You want to talk about fucking hardcore? Find me someone more hardcore than that. The, the, that. the funniest <laughs> story. The, the funniest story is before I had the operation, I was doing the Junior British, so I wanted to be Junior Mister Brent, and I had to sleep in an armchair with a fucking black bag taped around my cock. Yeah, that was part. That was yeah. that was the story. That was the story. Yeah, this, so this was this is before I even had the operation. So oh. I'm literally sitting in a chair like this the night before the biggest show of my life because I want to win Junior Mr. Brin. It's a two day show, yeah. and I'm literally just I have to sleep on a chair like that, uncomfortable, with a fucking black bag attached to my cock with a towel in it to absorb the piss, and a fucking and black tape around my cock so it doesn't fall out of the bag. Also, Honestly, so it wouldn't ruin madness. his so it wouldn't ruin his tan. So it wouldn't ruin my tan. Yeah. <laughs> it was mad. It was mad. And I remember that. And I was fucking, I was 20 years old at the time. 20 years old. Yeah. But you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm very happy I had that experience because it taught me that like all the fucking shit that happens now is all trivial. Like anything that happens now, all these fucking small little bumps in the road into a prep are pathetic. So it's, it never bothers me. Someone can say shit about me. 
someone could criticize me and it's like, oh my God, do you think that's even going to fucking penetrate? James has a fucking force field around him, man. You can't fucking... I have now. I have, honestly. Like, it's, so I'm, really, I'm actually really grateful for those past experiences. I don't, I don't mean this in any bad way, but you're right. No, no, if anybody like, yeah, try and piss the bed until you're 20. Yeah, yeah. man. Honestly, it was so embarrassing. I remember one time at school. So I must have, I must have had like a, a, a bed when I was younger that could have storage underneath it. And I must have had my school bag underneath it one day. And I must have obviously pissed the bed a fucking night. And it must have gone on my bag. And I had PE the next day. I put my fucking PE kit on and it stunk of fucking piss. Oh. Yeah, honestly. I was so embarrassed. I was only like probably like 11, 12 years old. And I remember knowing that what had happened because I could tell. And I put it on and I kept myself in the corner of the class. Everyone else is doing their group activities and I'm standing there alone. And the teacher's like, you've got to come and join the group. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. Like, oh, I, I like, couldn't explain, I couldn't explain why, but, um, you know, things like that, like, they just, it's what it is, and it's fucking, it's taught me a lot, and I'm so, not going to mind. So, you're saying in your 20s, your, your anxiety was mostly with girls? Yeah, just because I thought, you know what, like, how are they going to accept me, like, I can't stay at their house, like, because you get girlfriends, and you can't stay, and if they, if I do stay, their family needs to understand my situation, and I was very fortunate, because in my, around that time, I had a girlfriend who's lovely, and I still talk to her now, she's still a friend. Like she, she'll just say hello every now and then if I bump into her. There's no, uh, no bad blood or anything. And her family knew. And you know, when it happened, her house, they used to like look after me. We'd wash all the sheets and stuff. They never judged me. That's amazing. And that, you know that? And it is because you meet some people in life. When you meet people like that, it makes you know that out there in the world, there's some fucking good people. So for every dog shit wanker out there, there's another person who's who's brilliant. So you're. Yeah. So you're telling me you met a girl, you're with this yeah. girl, you spent the night yeah. at her house, you yeah. have this problem, and her and her family fucking look off me. looked after you and it was cool. Yeah, every that's time. A, I'd, stay at her, I'd stay at her for a whole weekend and I'd do it every weekend. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, that's really fucking me, cool. Like yeah. It is, mate. And I, like, Why didn't you marry that girl? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just, you know, it just didn't work out, grew apart. But, but lovely person and I'll always consider yeah. myself her friend. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Well, I think we were all. I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't uh, fucking smooth with the ladies. Where I mean, my my. I was a bouncer, so I just. I got ladies because I had a staff shirt on. I had fucking. You know, it wasn't like. I didn't have to do anything. I just had the staff shirt. I checked the ID and then end up like. It's all I was good. my best friend. The person who got me into training was that guy. Yeah. He was that guy. That he was, was the doorman, and he used to just. Everybody. Everybody knows a guy like that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I had hair back then. I looked pretty good. I wasn't overly big, so like girls were like, "Hey, you look athletic." I looked athletic then, Seth, and then, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and so it was all good. Like it was that's how that that was my move. I was the bouncer guy. So, <laughs> how about you, Seth? Were you a, were you a ladies' man coming up or no? Fuck no. I'm as I'm as smooth as fucking hundred and twenty. Yeah, but I have a feeling. But I have a feeling party Seth did okay. Uh, party Seth did okay because he was the guy that didn't care. Like yeah. Party Seth, I had a good time. Yeah, in college I was a little bit of a mess, but uh, before that, no, mm -mm. I wasn't very good. I wasn't smooth. I was a little, I was, I was, I was uh, self-conscious of myself. Yeah. I uh, doubted myself a lot, and that was it. And and then college really brought brought me out of my shell. At college, that's whenever I kind of stopped giving a fuck. And uh, I realized that there's a ton of different people in the world and there's good people, bad people, fun people, crazy people, people that, 
you know, do good in school, people that don't do good in school, people like myself that are a little bit of a fucking basket case that look for trouble for some reason. And uh, no, I think that I just met a lot of different people and, you know, I, I'm, <clears throat> I don't judge anybody uh, for what they do. You know, this world's the place it is today because what everybody does. Um, but I, I tend to, I think of me personally, like I have a couple different sides to myself. Yeah. The party part of me is gone and it has to be gone for a good reason. Uh, mine, too. Um, mine too. That guy's yeah. gone. Yeah. Mm -mm. No more cocaine. Mm -mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that guy, that guy, for me, that guy's dead. He died like, I think he but, lasted, uh, he lasted longer than I wanted him to, but he's gone now. Oh, he caused, he, he <laughs> fucked a couple things up. There's a few, uh, you know, but, <clears throat> but I think that the personalities that, uh, uh, you know, the relationship that I'm in now, Hannah's like the most sweet, innocent, not too innocent, but like just naive and innocent not crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then like whenever I tell her about like my crazier times and when we discussed and when we were dating and all that stuff, she looks at me and she's like, we would not have gotten along. I'm like, fuck yeah. no. Yeah. I was like, no way. I was, Why, uh... me me at 24 years old i was fucking lunatic no it's funny how you meet the, it's funny how you meet the right people at the right time right because time. i met summer at 28 if i had met summer at 26 or 24 she would have been story. like you're she'd be like you're fucked you're completely yeah. fucked so yeah that's what um that's what yannicka says all the time she's i'm glad i didn't know you a couple of years before yeah so it's yeah. the same shit, same they shit. They come along, they come, it's weird how it works. It is. There's, there's, always, there's always that question that, did they come along at the right time or were you looking at the right time? Like, mm. were, you, were you in a position to accept that person? Like maybe, yeah. that, like maybe that person was there when you were 24, but you were so fucked in your head and blown out on coke that you didn't see them. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or is it that the world, I don't know if you believe in God, you don't believe in God, whatever, the universe brought you that person at that time because you know what i mean that's what was supposed to be I, I i believe in energy and i think your energy dictates what energy comes to you so obviously if you're giving off yeah. an energy that's welcoming to a certain type of energy yeah. then you will attract something that is suitable yeah and obviously if you're giving off a, an energy that's crazy and fucked up cocaine that you're not you're going to be except you'll be bringing those kind of circles around you so i suppose maybe <laughs> maybe i think it starts it starts with the change it starts with the change that happened within you yeah. Yeah. That's 100%. 100%. I, uh, my wife's like, you used to be a dog. I could have never been with a dog like that. And I was like, <laughs> it's, it's the women that made me a dog. Cause this is a thing. Like, remember we were talking about, no, it's, listen, it's their fault. I'll tell you why. So remember, remember we were talking in high school, how you said you were shy, Seth and James, you said you were shy with girls. I was that guy too. So I met my first girlfriend at like 17 or 16 or something like that. We dated for three years. And she cheated on me. And I oh, thought, bitch. and I thought my world was over. I'm like, I'm never going to meet anybody else. My life is over. Fucking girls don't like me. That's it. And, and I, it was a fucking, for three months, I was a wreck. Like That's, yeah. crying. Like my friends would go, I would pay for my friends to come drink with me just so I get drunk and not think about it. It was just a disaster. So then something happened after three months and I was like, fuck all of them. That's like, Literally, like all of them. Yeah, but literally, literally. Like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for you all. Yeah, and that that I think angry spell lasted a little while, and then I came mm -hmm. back to my normal self. So it's not. It's. I wonder if how many guys that happens to though, because 
I think a lot. How many guys are actually good guys, but they get burned and then they turn into bad guys? A lot. You know what I'm saying? I've seen that. I've, I've seen that to a lot of friends. Oh yeah. Well, you know uh, what's happening Revenge. in my house right now is is like the daddy, uh, a daddy's girl and a mama's boy. Did you ever notice like whenever uh, like you'd meet girls and they're like, "Oh, you're a fucking mama's boy." Yeah, I get and that. You're like, well, yeah, yeah I, I love my mom. I love my mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's the most person in the world. <laughs> you know, and right now, like Hannah used to say, she's like, oh, there was, you know, these, these mama's boys, I date this and that. And now she has a son yeah. and yeah. she fucking loved this kid so much is always like all over him. Yeah. And the one night we're sitting on the couch, I'm like, like, this, this is how mama's boys are born. And she's like, he's going to love me like a mama's boy, like the guys that you fucking hated yeah. whenever you were dating guys, because there was yeah. nobody that could compare to his mama. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's 100%. It's 100% going to happen. And I'll tell you why. So my dad was always at work and my brothers were always at school and I was a lot younger than they were. My mom and my sister raised me. And people are like, you're a mama's boy. I'm like, I was raised by two women. That's yeah. why. And your, yeah. your son is going to be the same. He's got two older sisters and a mom. So yeah, you got to do a lot of work, man, to make sure he doesn't turn out like. <laughs> well, I think that like we were talking about there, uh, we well, for uh, it'd be easy for like uh, like a, a woman is raising the boy, the son, and or, or having a heavy influence. They're wanting him to be a kind, gentle, really good guy, and then it turns out he gets manipulated by this fucking whore from down the street. That's a fucking manipulative cunt. And she took advantage because she knew he was a sweet boy and yeah. fucking ruined them yeah. and fucked them all up. And then he's like, fuck bitches. Did I just, can you guys still hear you me? Just, yeah. We can I hear you. Just blacked out. You've just pressed the, uh, no video. No, I've been having problems with my camera. I think I'm gonna have to switch to the shittier view. Sorry guys. Is it going to be like a head on? That's all right. You're dead. No, right? no. No, no, it's yeah. I think the batteries. I'm just gonna switch cameras. Oh, battery exhausted. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I got a. I got some. You know what? It wouldn't be a fuad show if we didn't have technical difficulties. No, exactly. That's one, one, per, one, one per an episode minimum. Yeah. All right. How's that? Okay. Is that okay? Please. Now we can yeah. see some of the house. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's some trophies. They're all like. I can see that 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 trophy that looks like freaking desperate Dan, the the big chin one. The, the, is it your one? one? Yeah, that's the Europe. That's my first pro win that's right a, there. It's hilarious that one. Yeah. I love that trophy. My Muhammad Ali trophy, my uh, YouTube plaque. Yeah. Yeah. It's my this is my this I, is my my trophy center. It's not like Jay Cutler's. It's like two things. Jay Cutler's got good. like a Jay Cutler's got a wall. <laughs> fucking... Jay Jay's is lovely, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. Dude, that one plaque he has that's like, you know, the it's Olympia got the, it's got the medals all spread out yeah. shit. That's fucking beautiful. beautiful. You know that's what one you know, one thing I never did that Jay did, like when you go in his garage, right? He's got like the wall of covers. Yeah, that's really cool. You got I, quite a few covers, so I don't know why you didn't do that. I never kept, I never keep shit, man. Like I don't, I'm not a sentimental, I mean, I am, but at the time they things come out. Yeah. I feel like it's like, I don't know if I'm doing, I don't want to be like a douchebag. I'm like, I don't keep this. And I just throw it in a drawer somewhere. But why? now, but now when I think about it, I'm like, fuck man, Jay was smart, man. He kept all this shit. He put it all in plaques. Like, yeah. You know? Do you ever notice he doesn't really talk too much about all that either? No, he doesn't. He's very, he's very chill. He's very humble. Like, but like he has it all over his house, and like I don't have that stuff. I have all of it, but I don't have it in my house, like put on display. And I agree. Like 
I feel like, you know, what we've accomplished is very unique. But at the time, I'm like, I'm just me. I'm just, you know, trying to do a good job. And like now I have, I'm holding on to a lot of the items that we started yeah. with, you know, first t-shirts, first products, first all these things. And like, he has everything. And I'm like, you don't hear him talk about it, but he holds, it holds close to him for sure. Yeah. Do you uh, think, do you think people like perhaps you two and maybe myself, because at the time of it all happening, you didn't see the end in sight. So therefore you just kind of take it for granted. You just think it's going to keep coming from, you know, I'm going to be doing this for a while, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but like, I wonder, yep. how, do you think, do you think Jay consciously like thought one day my career will be over and I'm going to have all this I stuff? So. I think Jay's very conscious. I think Jay's extreme. I think that's the thing with Jay. He's extremely conscious. I think so too. I yeah, think he's so. like one of the most conscious human beings. Everything's planned. Everything's smart. Everything's designed and business. It's like he would have thought he had an age in his head when he was retiring by probably. He maybe didn't retire by that age, but I guarantee he didn't have an age. I don't know. It's just everything's thought. You know what? You're right. I don't know if Seth, you're the same, but I'm like, I kind of take life as it comes. Yeah, daily. Like, wow. I don't, I don't plan as much as I should. I kind of like to just live day to day. And I know that's not like the best thing, but. It's the best thing for you. Yeah. But it's, but it's not really great. Like, cause if you, like there was, <laughs> when I look back, it isn't. Cause I, when I look back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have kept some of my football clippings from high school or like I would have kept some of the stuff from the start of my bodybuilding career. It's like, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't keep any of that stuff. And I, I don't know how much it would be, how much value it would have to me now, but like I'm sitting in my office and I'm like, it'd be cool to have that wall, like covered covers yeah, of covers or like whatever clippings or whatever thing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, I want, and, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and like, I can, I can think of, cause you and I, you and I were, uh, uh turning pro around the same time period. And I remember like all the, I remember your covers. I remember your clippings. I remember your spreads. And I like, I can picture them in my, in my head now as we're talking. And it's, yeah. uh, like I think about mine and how people perceive me and what I did the same thing. And I'm like, I think I probably should. I know my mom still has a box of shit. She kept yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. Cause I was, keeping it. It, it is right. <laughs> Always the moms. I think I have all my covers somewhere. I just never, I never took the time to do what Jay did, like get everything framed no. and put up. But isn't it crazy though, when you look at his, and, and this is a thing, this is the thing that's impressive about, about Jay's uh, covers. And a lot of people don't know this. There was a period of time where to be on the cover of a magazine meant everything. And it meant everything because only it was reserved for like the best of the best or yeah. like the people that the magazine uh, owners thought were impressive. Then there was a period of time around where I got my covers and, and I think a couple of my covers were for this reason, but there came a time where covers were actually bought by sponsors. Okay. <clears throat> and I actually, I actually didn't feel as much. And this could be why I don't have stuff framed. Yeah, yeah. I didn't feel as great about my cover. Cause I'm like, well, I'm a weeder athlete and they're putting weeder people on the covers. So like I have a flex magazine cover where it's like best arms or some shit. And I'm like doing curls but I was a weeder athlete at the time of that cover. So I'm like, they're only, they're just putting their athletes on the cover. It's not because I'm some special bodybuilder. Whereas like my first cover was on muscle mag. I wasn't, it wasn't sponsor purchased and I wasn't sponsored by muscle mag. So that one meant more to me. So yeah. all through, and I think, and now it's getting back to some covers are chosen and some covers are sponsored. And it, and it just, I think it means it's got to mean way more to Jay that probably, I would say 80% of his covers 
were in a time period where it wasn't sponsor purchased. He was, he was just that good. They just wanted him on the cover. Yeah. yeah. So wasn't it, the, wasn't it the stomp that put, took him from weeder to muscular development? You remember that? Yeah. At yeah. 09? Well, I think in that yeah. period, I, I think that's probably the period of his career. Cause I think the sponsored covers thing started around 2005, 2007, yeah. 2000 in that area somewhere. Yeah. But a lot of Jay's covers are from the fucking 90s, like the late 90s when he first started and he was still like, you know, smaller and like he, he was a pretty boy and they would put him on all the covers. Yeah, he had like he had a lot of covers with like the, the ladies, like the females on the beach and that in the beginning, didn't he? Yeah. He's like uh, the American kind of the dream, the physique, the face. The white guy with the blonde hair and the blue eyes. Yeah, is like the yeah, perfect, like, like the all-American yeah. boy, right? This is it. Yep. And then you'd have like the, um, I suppose, like the Monica Brandt in the picture with him. Yeah, you know, on the beach because yeah. she was like the ideal looking lady as well. That's all gone now. Eh? They don't do that anymore on covers. You don't do see like you don't see covers. like they don't do the bikini like go stand no. next to the bodybuilder. They're like they're like nobody wants to look like a bodybuilder. Fuck those guys. Put them on by themselves. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, they're like nobody's gonna believe that girl wants to be with that guy. Fuck off. <laughs> he's he's not wearing skinny jeans. That's not yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Come on. Um, it's cool though. It's cool. All right, let's. Uh, I got a whole bunch of shitload of questions here. You guys want to get to some of them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see Seth's opinion on many uh, subjects. I, I thought the first one was actually very, very interesting. Uh, actually, should we talk about other like some of the other stuff first, or get to the questions? Because I want to talk about the Rami invitation. Because I got okay, you on. Because I got you on the podcast, James, and a lot of people keep bringing up James's name because. Because yeah, Rami, Rami was supposed to do the Europa and he didn't. It's get all publicity. To. I love it. I'm like, sweet, bring my name up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? Actually, you know what, Seth? Let's let's ask you since you don't compete. Yeah, see, you're neutral, your follower, neutral yeah, you're neutral. What, what do you think of the Rami special invite to the Olympia? So I don't know too much about it. I just saw that uh, the reason he didn't compete was because of uh, was because of COVID. He tested positive. That was the reason. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the reason why. Okay, so I mean, it's kind of one of those. I'm cool with whatever happens because I'm just a fan watching it all, and I'm not too critical of it all. Just because I don't expect too much from them anymore. Like I don't expect too much from the IFBB and NPC right now because COVID hit them so fucking bad that they're not making any money. Yeah. This is a shit show of a fucking year. Everybody knows it is from a business perspective. I look at it. I'm like, there's so many things happening behind the scenes. that they're like, We need this to be anything it can be. Do I think he should have got a special? I don't think that special invites really should be a thing with the Olympia. Do I think that the, that the industry needed to do a special invite because they did one with Flex Lewis. They did one with Cedric. They did one. Now they're doing one with Grammy. They did one with Kevin Lavroni. It's kind of like, hey, we'll do anything that we can just to add people to make it somewhat more exciting, but we're really not going to pump it up too much more than we already do because we're just going to go with what we can. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the IFBB and the NPC could do a much better job of publicizing this sport and this show and everything that they do, given the fact that the fucking internet has made it so simple for people to advertise and grow things and use great live streaming services um so do i think that big Ramy being added is going to add some excitement well sure it's going to add some excitement um just because people want to see him do i think it's going to be the saving grace of the fucking show absolutely not do i think that him being a part of it 
is going to have this splash effect where it would be it would be that much greater to is the is the him being there better than it would be if he wasn't there no i don't think that the dude's going to go in and fucking smoke the show i don't he never does nor do i think it's going to occur but um am i excited that he's going to be there fuck yeah i want to see what he looks like as a fan i'm like yeah bring everybody open it up to fucking everyone then um so, so, I, so okay I, let's narrow it down are you for or against special invites yeah, or Rami's this well, situation. Yeah, this this it particular let's say this, situation. This situation, and then we'll say special invites as a whole. Uh, so for this one, I'm like, I understand where they're coming from because the dude didn't even know he had COVID. Yeah, I mean, I think he would have competed. I think he was fine with competing. And, and, um, and it was like, a top three qualifier, so uh, there's no. I don't think he wouldn't have qualified. Let's be real. Yeah. And 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 going back to that, was he going to qualify? I think he would have qualif- qualified. Do I think he was going to beat you, James? No, I don't think anybody was going to beat you at this show. Um, <laughs> what do I mean? But I think that he would, I think he would have qualified at the show. Um, but uh, I mean, I think, I think it's exciting that he's going to be there just because it's one more person. Everybody loves seeing a fucking freak, especially at the Olympia. Um, yeah. So I think he would have qualified regardless. Um, I think uh, somebody brought up a really good point and because me and um, Ben talked about this a little bit yesterday in the podcast uh, we did and Ben is adamantly opposed to any special invitation of any sort. Doesn't matter if it's Kevin Lavroni, Hall of Famer. Doesn't matter if it's Kai Green, second best bodybuilder in the world for years on end. Doesn't matter who it is. He's like, I don't give a shit. No special invites. I am of the opposite mind, which is if you've earned your place in the sport and and you're, it's certain that you are a top six bodybuilder, there are special invites that do matter. Like to me, I guess what I'm trying to say is anybody who thinks uh, Big Rami is outside of the top six doesn't understand bodybuilding. He's a top six bodybuilder. He's a top tier bodybuilder. There is no reason why he shouldn't be there. Is it a technicality? Yes, but it's in the rule book that a, a show promoter can invite whoever the fuck they want. So people keep talking about rules. Oh, there's rules. There's rules. Well, if you actually read the rule book, the promoters can invite anybody they want. So really, so really that whole winning a show thing is just so there's a little bit of structure to the Olympia and it gives people a reason to decipher who should come and who shouldn't. One person did say something I thought was valuable, which is why not just make the Olympia invitation only period. They can just do the, do what the Arnold's does. And invite whoever the fuck you want. And yeah, so yeah but then winners in here, but then yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, the, reason, then, the, the reason I don't agree with that is because I feel like it adds excitement that you have to win to qualify for the rest of the year. It gives the guys something to look forward to. It gives the fans look, look something to look forward to. But as far as the rule book goes, people need to understand that promoters can invite whoever they want to their show. It's their show. Right. Everybody needs to understand something, and I don't mean this in any derogatory sense at all okay this is just how the fuck it is the ifbb and npc have a mafia style business model they whatever happens happens the way they fucking want it to yeah you don't like it get the fuck out yeah so at that point they can do whatever the fuck they want and until you or somebody else decides to start their own fucking federation 
and make their own fucking rules and have their own fucking whole entire back end set up, you shut the fuck up and play by their rules. Yeah. And that's not in a derogatory sense. That's just what the fuck it is. So if they feel like inviting anybody they want, they can. And you know what you're going to do? Deal with it. You're going to do what the fuck I say or you can get the fuck out. But on a, and, on, on, and, and I don't, I'm not condemning it because I like, I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I like that. I, no, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was no. going to say, I like that the promoter has that discretion. I, I like well, that. Yeah. It's their show. They're the ones who got to make the money. They're the ones who, who are, listen, it costs a lot of, I put, I put shows on. It costs a lot of money to have a fucking show, man. And then think about it. This year, these people have lost a whole fucking section of their money, which is no audience participation. And yeah. think, about, think about that at the Olympia. You're looking at like five to 10,000 people gone. All that revenue gone. So they're like, hey, if we can invite this one person, that will make more people buy the live stream because he's got a million fans. Yeah. Fucking capitalize on it. So you got to think of it from yeah. other people's, from a, uh, a business perspective too. These people got to pay people. They got to pay for the venue. They got to pay for the help they have. They got to pay for the athletes contracts. They got to yeah. pay for the, they got to pay for the athletes flights, the prize money, the fucking everything. And if they yeah. think yeah. putting Rami in the lineup will bring an extra 10,000, $50,000, they're going to fucking do it. Fucking right. And, and furthermore, as a fucking fan, I want to see it. Just, yeah. just strictly speaking as not a bodybuilding guy, not, a, not an analyst, not anything, just as a fucking fan, I want to see Rami in the show. Because he's going yeah. to upset the top six in some way. Yeah. Listen, I'd even, as an active professional who's just won a show, who's earned his qualifications in Olympia, I don't disagree either. Because... This is not a. This is not your standard year. The events of this year are very much alien to everybody. Okay, and if you want bodybuilding to survive, and you want this federation to survive, that gives us a platform as professional bodybuilders, and in order to make money and have a career, then you need to let them do what they need to do in order to keep fucking money coming in. Mm-hmm. And if it means inviting a couple of superstars, invite a couple of superstars because at the Olympia, the cream's going to rise. Whoever's the cream. Like, whoever's going to win the Olympia is going to win the Olympia. Just because a couple of other names turn up does not necessarily mean that it's going to change the whole, uh, you know, who's going to win. Because ultimately, everyone's going there to win. Okay? So you should, be, you should be good enough to beat everybody if you want to fucking win. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I look at it. So um, that's, just, that's just my simple opinion on it. I think at the end of the day, if you care about bodybuilding enough, you have to care about the federation enough that they and understand that they have to do certain things in order to survive. I, I actually said the same thing, James. Ben brought up the point that let's say you're a third place guy. Let's say you're looking at third place. And third place is like $100,000 or whatever the prize money is. Let's say Rami shows up and takes your third place. Get better. That's what I said. I'm like, as Get a fucking bell. I, I said, as a competitor, I said, as a competitor, I wouldn't be like, oh, he took my money, fucking blah. I would be like, I was like, well, I guess he fucking, I would be kind of mad, but I'm like, he deserves it. He beat me. Listen, if he's a better bodybuilder in a day, he's fucked you over. That's fine. He's done you in. He's better than you. <laughs> he's done you in. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you need to get better. That's your problem. Spend a year getting better. Yeah, that's how Any, I... Anyone, that's how that, I that. anyone that beats... If I go to Olympia and anyone that beats me, they beat me fair and square. They beat me on the biggest stage. Been judged. Well, that's what I said to, to Ben was, Rami getting an invite does not hurt anybody. 
No. And he it, and he said, well, it hurts the guy that if the guy was going to take third and then he ended up taking fourth because of Rami, then it hurts that guy. And I'm like, yeah, but that's because that means he deserves fourth, not third. Exactly. If, and that's, and that's if, you're, if you're going to the Olympia, to be happy you should just under, understand that you are going up against the best period. Yeah. You're going to exactly. run into the most mind-fucked, hardcore people in the game. Mm-hmm. You're going right. to get yeah. people who are just as fucked up as you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who are like, and, and if there's a way to get more you're like, oh, man. <laughs> um, so I think uh, I, I agree. I, I'm not a huge fan of special invites. Uh, however, uh, I do think that, I mean, like I said, if the like and like you said, if the promoters want to do something, they can do whatever the fuck they want in this sport. They're giving us free reign to do whatever we want. They're like, hey, you guys do whatever the fuck you want to come in and give everybody a show. We're going to create this platform for you. You're going to be able to talk. You're going to be able to do all this thing. And if you win shows, you'll get more popular. And that's James, you, me, we've all won pro shows. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you win a pro show, every person is like, Pretty big deal. Yeah. It's not easy to do. And we, so, would, and we wouldn't have that uh, without like, um, no, no, and exactly. Like I wouldn't have this platform that I have without the without the without body I, I, without the fan, NPC. I, I, yeah. Without the I'm, a fan, I'm a fan of the two of you because I followed you as IFBB Pro Bodybuilders. Yeah. Everything you've done since, yeah. launching companies, all that stuff, I'm aware of now and I and I rate highly, but I wouldn't have known. Unless I followed you as the bodybuilders. Yeah, yeah. Of course. So, you know, stem from that. By the way, Seth, I heard that you, somebody sent me a couple of messages and then they told me you were saying some good stuff about me commentating at shows. And I know me and you talked about it a little bit. So I want to thank you for that. Somebody said you mentioned me on your podcast. So thank oh, you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I always appreciate that. Well, uh, my, uh, I'll, we'll get into that topic right now, too. We'll just transition into it. I'll take your show over for a second. Okay. It's all you. The fucking. The commentating in bodybuilding needs to change. I don't know what happens on the other end of this, why people get elected to do such or how this all works. Uh, With tuning into the Chicago Pro, um, I was was a little, I was just almost, uh, I guess, speechless or astonished um, because there's so many other people like you, Fuad, who, bro, you are the, the voice of bodybuilding right now. Um, the other person I like is Nick Strength and Power, like an unbiased opinion, talks about everything, such a huge fan. Yeah. And I'm like, how the fuck do we not have like the people that are so enthusiastic and passionate about this and 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 the intense the intense passion for bodybuilding aren't in these uh aren't in aren't the ones doing the commentating. I'm like, something needs to change because it was not good. Not good well, at all. My opinion of it was and I, the reason I don't think Nick would work is because I feel like it's like other sports bring ex athletes that kind of know what they're looking at and know how to educate. Right. So like, if you look at basketball, they bring in like Shaq and they bring in Charles Barkley and they have them do the, you know, all the pre-show analyzing and all that. Right. I, I always thought the best combination was having a professional bodybuilder, either retired or active, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody who can articulate what's going on on the stage and the best combination would not be, Hey, let's just have a guy and a girl just because for no fucking reason. I always thought having a commentator that was in the sport that understands it fully and having a judge would be incredible because then you have, let's yeah. say, and it doesn't have to be, let's say any professional bodybuilder, you get them on there. 
They know what they're talking about. They know how to explain what's going on. And part of the thing is education. It's not about, let's just make it sound pretty. I want, if I'm a fan and most fans are not hardcore fans that understand everything. Most fans are like in in between. They don't know what they're looking at. You need to have a bodybuilder there. That's going to explain to you why they picked that guy, why they moved that guy there, why they, and then the the nice thing is, well, I was going to say the nice thing is having the judge sitting there would add credibility to what the pro credibility is saying. Credibility to the opinion of the pro. Yeah. yeah. Or, if the, sure. or, if, or if the pro doesn't know something, like, listen, the uh, New York pro. Me and Paul were talking about the New York pro, and I was torn between Justin and uh, Ian. Yeah. And Paul, literally, we were on a drive to this gym that's like 20 minutes away. On this drive, Paul literally, because Paul's a pro judge now, yeah. Paul literally broke down every reason why Ian should have won. And when he broke it down, I'm like, that makes 100% sense. And I'm like, you know what? That's what bodybuilding needs. They need a guy who understands bodybuilding, who's in the show, who can talk to people about the feelings of being on stage and all that. Absolutely. But then they should also have an authority that can say, this is why the judge moved that guy there and that guy there, blah, blah, blah. That way, that way it's all very, like I I use this analogy. I use, I use this analogy, Seth. Like when I watch MMA and I listen to Joe Rogan, I've learned so much about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I've never stepped foot in a fucking jujitsu. <laughs> like I have no idea, but I know what all the moves are. I know when they're getting into them now. I know yeah. like, I know what like top control is like all these things. I, ha- I have no fucking idea about that's the job of the guy and, sitting at the desk. I, and, and I agree with what you said fully 100% there. The reason that I bring up Nick's strength and power is because of uh, his credibility. In the side. What's that? And the non-biased nature, like you just said, I feel is very, a very, very apparent thing. Because like he says, he has no, he, yeah, he has no reason. Mm. Very non-biased. And then on top of that, like he's a huge fan of the sport. So, uh, and uh, I don't know how to say this other than like you said, Fuad, the, the regular people that are watching the, this, that aren't competitive bodybuilders. Yeah. You know, whenever we're talking as, as athletes and the things we've done, do you know how many things we look past yeah. because we're, our minds are so advanced or we're so far in front of the yeah. regular person and they can't even, they're not even getting up. Like you said, Joe Rogan does a great job of explaining things step by step and like step by step. And, and you feel like you're like, yeah, I know all about MMA now. I know yeah. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. But so I think that there needs to be somebody along with those two other people that kind of like, uh, I think, uh, that, I think, or make sure that we make sure the other people understand what's going on from a, 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 level, a smaller, not, uh, like a less intense yeah. or advanced thought process. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. You know what? He, his, if, if that role, whoever it was be, whether it be Nick or anybody else, yeah, that, somebody. That, that role would be the guy that's asking questions as, yes. a, as a fan. Yes. That way the other two can kind of, you're still teaching. You know what I mean? Even, yeah. even, even if he's asking questions, he knows the answers to. It would still. Oh, oh absolutely. It would and still, we look past him. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, but, I, think, I think it would be great. I, I think the last thing on earth people need anymore is, listen, people keep bringing up the fact, this is really, really fucking annoying me. And I don't give a shit who likes what I'm about to say or not. Sean Ray keeps bringing, Sean Ray brought up the fact that Justin Rodriguez, his shoulders looked suspect and that, he was insinuating that there was SEO used in his shoulders and it was all oil and his shoulders were fake. I like, look, first of all, 
on a commentating level, that's not your fucking job. Your job is not to say that guy looks like he has fake shoulders. That's not your job. Your job is to elevate the sport, teach about the sport, and not to, not to humiliate people in the sport. That's number one. Number two, it's a fucking rumor. You don't know he put SEO in his shoulders. And the problem is once it's said. It's yeah, it's it. And people, and people have been messaging me going, oh, you could tell, bro. Look at his shoulders. You can't tell. What if he bangs all his fucking gear there? What if that's yeah. where he does all his testosterone? His fucking, that doesn't mean it's SEO. That could be just where he does all his shots. Yeah. What, what if he's just a fucking freak and he's got crazy round shoulders? Look at Antoine. Antoine's shoulders are fucking round as fuck. I know he doesn't use SEO. So, like, it's not the job of the fucking commentator to sit there and put shit in people's fucking head and make, yeah. and make the sport look bad. And furthermore, make the athlete look bad. If anything, look, the whole reason I started this podcast is to take the fucking athletes and lift them up and lift the sport up and give people a fucking reason to watch bodybuilding. Yeah. It shouldn't all be undone by the guy sitting at the fucking desk commentating the show. No, it has a reputation of being a fucking asshole and, and doing nothing but ripping down athletes like that. Like, I mean, it's, I, I it's known so. that he's done numerous times and it, it's frustrating because our whole goal with everything that I do too, like, I don't give a fuck if you're a 300 pound fucking fat ass motherfucker. Like, I expect you to do better. If you want to lose weight and do a better job, do that. Like, uh, and whenever you see it and things like that, it's kind of like, all right, listen, we know your you, you, the credibility that Sean Ray holds is pretty high given the fact that yeah. he's accomplished in his career. Yeah. So it's like uh, you're turning people like me, and I'm like, I don't want to listen to this fucking shit. Yeah. Why am exactly. I going to do this? Look at the pictures. You're saying the same thing. Many other people are out there saying the same thing. We should not be critical because right now people are flocking to the fucking fitness industry. Yeah. People are yeah. flocking. The fitness industry is growing at an astronomical fucking rate right now. Listen, why is the sport not being pushed in the direction from these people in these positions to make it better, make bodybuilding more important, make bodybuilding popular again, push hard for it through the internet rather than just say, hey, can you make a post for us about your show this weekend? Yeah. Okay, if I make a post about the show this weekend, I make the post, I get fucking 1,000 people to join the live stream and then they have some fucking person on there that's not doing anything good and just talking negatively about athletes, the guy that's possibly going to win the fucking show, yeah, yeah. you're talking about suspect shoulders, and it's like, ah, oh, man, that sounds good. And I know I get emotional on my podcast, and I say off-the-wall shit sometimes, but it's like when you're in this position, and as a commentator, it should be about the athletes, about the sport, yeah. about growing and educating people that are watching. What happens if out of the 5,000 people that, that download or are watching this live stream – Fucking fifteen hundred of them. This is the first time they're watching bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah. First time that's they're a, being. I, 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 I have a funny kind of uh, story to tell right. on that subject. I'm just that's what you were fluids. hired to do. You were hired to capture the. I'm gonna grab some fluids because I've got a story on this. Actually, that something happened with me in this show because the live stream was shit. Okay, but go. I'm gonna grab some water, Willie, and then I'm gonna explain. Go, come so back. Yeah. So, it it really really fucking. Uh, the other thing that really bothered me too was I watched the guy that won the classic. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it was a pro classic or amateur, but the guy with the dreads with the pink hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. This guy comes out and I'm looking at this phenomenal physique, like incredible. And he's peeled like amazing. Threaded. And all Sean Ray talk about is his fucking hair. And I'm like, are you stupid? Are you stupid? Are you fucking stupid? 
like there are there are so many fucking channels and so many vloggers and so many fucking trolls online that could that are sitting there waiting to talk about Justin Rodriguez's shoulders and the pink hair and all that. You are the fucking you are the guy commentating. You're the guy. You're the guy teaching everybody. And you're sitting yeah. there. You're not saying anything about this phenomenal physique I'm seeing. All you're saying is, oh, his hair is pretty funny, eh? He's got pink hair. And I'm like, you're an asshole. You're literally an asshole. It's it's tough because it fr- it frustrates me because of what I think the I mean, I talked I, I went off on a little tangent myself on the episode on our podcast. Because I, I think I'm like, I don't quite understand that side of the business. I don't know. I think it's the promoter who chooses that or the live stream company that's hired to come in and do it. But I look at it and I'm like, I just, I know that it could be better. Yeah. And that's what frustrates me because I watch, I watch people's YouTube channels. I, I, I follow along with people and I'm a huge fucking fan of bodybuilding. And I'm thinking, this is, this is what we got. Maybe this is what our sport the professional level i'm i'm not opposed to it i'm not opposed to uh, to no i'm not opposed to it (laughs) (laughs) it'd be great we'd have listen we'd have a great time and i think that i think if people are getting fucking paid to do this and this is what we're getting and this is what we have um i think the fans uh Bro, it's professional bodybuilding for Christ's sakes. Right now, the industry is on the internet. Nobody's going to the fucking shows. Yeah. Nobody's guest posing at shows, at amateur level shows. Nobody's going anywhere. So this means that you have an opportunity to capitalize on capturing these people for our sport. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you know, we didn't get that many people on the live stream. All right, what kind of marketing did you do behind it? Yeah, nobody knew your shit was good. Dude, I had more people. Listen, I did a watch party like they do, Mm -hmm. like Joe Rogan does, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't see the fight on my YouTube channel. It's just me. It was me, Ben, and I think Paul talking about the live stream that we were watching. Yeah. And our live stream had like 1,500 people live watching, and their live stream had 200 people watching. And I'm like, they can't even see What's anything. Up? But yeah, they were more interested in hearing like us just talk about it because we were in like Paul's a judge, and you know me and Ben, and I th- and but, you uh, marketed it to your people. Yeah. Yeah, nobody told them. Like I get, yeah. I get so many DMs from people who are like, "Where can I watch it? Where's the live stream? Where's the?" And I'm like, "This is no good." This How is powerful good. is your email list, Fuad? Yeah, exactly. No, I know what you're going. I know where you're going with it, and that's, and that's you know what promoters should do if they they would think a little further would be like, why don't we? I don't want to say give a percentage or anything. Why don't they just call for a favor? Why don't they take all the pros and say, look? you guys all have huge fan bases. Can you please post this graphic? You know, like let's say I'm Tim Gardner. Tim Gardner does an amazing job at the shows. Some of the best shows. Yeah. If Tim messaged me and said, look, I'm having a live stream. I want all the pros to put this graphic up that says the live stream is at this link at this time, blah, blah, blah. Can you please do it for me? I would do it like that. Mm -hmm. And then every single pro would have that graphic out. That's yeah. all the marketing you gotta do. That's it. Yeah. Those are the those are the fans. It's that simple. It's like, yeah. Fuad, if he said if he said, "Hey, Fuad, I'm gonna give you X amount of dollars. Can you put this in a blast? Put this in an email blast to all your people in your emails, and we're gonna put hostile supplements yeah. on the on front and center on a couple of things that we're doing here. Yeah. We'll, you, yeah. we'll use that as publicity. This and that. Yeah. Like, 
yeah, dude, you know what? Down the road, we're going to do some other stuff together. If I ever need a favor, give me a call. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any money. I'd be like, can you just put the hostile logo somewhere on the backdrop? Done. I'll fire it off to everybody. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll commentate the show. That, that's, that, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, because at this point in your life, and this is what you and I discussed privately was like, yes, I believe that the sport needs to do a better job. I think that the sport can do a better job. I think that right now there is a, a, a lack of, I don't know, a, maybe just a, a lack of passion. If no. you and I are sitting here and James, we're sitting here talking about this and saying we can do better. Um, and it's like, all right, put your money where your mouth is. Well, I'm like, okay, well, I can tell you how to grow this. I'm, oh. I, I, I know how to, to grow this. If somebody, said, like, if somebody said, put your money where your mouth is or put, you know, put yourself into action and say, give me the opportunity. Give me the opportunity. Yeah. Let, let me and Seth commentate the Olympia and see what happens. Anyway, James, you had a story about the live feed that you were. No, do you know what I was going to say? Like, my thing was certain uh, individuals who do commentary on live streams and they're watching a live stream that's like really bad quality and they're judging physiques. Yeah. They're, you know, I had some people ripping my physique last week and it's like, I know these people personally and they said some things that were quite, you know, not needed to be said. And I, I took it quite personally because I was like, if you were actually at the fucking show, you would have seen the dominance. Yeah. Like, so, you know, when you're watching something that's coming out like megapixel, like fucking five megapixels and looks awful, just maybe zip it and don't give such a fucking critique yeah. because yeah. you're watching something that's really bad quality. I, I just, I just wanted to say that because a certain individual I've known for years who works for a certain magazine yeah. pissed me off. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, well, how, about you fucking, how about you get a ticket to the show and then come and see why, why the results are the way they are. Well, I, I just get, that pisses me off because we're all, we can all do that and, yeah. and we can all do that wrong. So I just want well, to, <laughs> I'll just say too, the people doing it should always emphasize. Cause I did that. Like, um, what show were we doing the breakdown for? I think it was the Chicago show that just passed, or maybe it was, maybe it was Spain. No, I think it was Spain. We were doing a breakdown or a, or a wrap up for it. And I kept reiterating. I'm like, look guys, this is a live stream. You can't, you know, you, you can't judge. You can't really tell what's going on. And it's true because James, when you put out some photos, like two or three days later, it was dramatically wow. different. I was like, what? That's why I was like, look, that's why I was like, that's why I took my own video guy with me to film everybody. So you yeah. can see this. Yeah. Like yeah. He filmed us all. You can see us all on the stage at the same yeah. time. But if you want yeah. to watch it, yeah. that's why I put it all out on YouTube. That's why I do this content. Because I was like, yeah. I, I'll be damned if like I let people judge me of something that isn't fucking of the standard. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know do you, right. think that, uh, do you think that the negative commentary like that breeds more negativity through the fans and through the sport? Oh my God, well, dude, a hundred percent. Listen, it does. Because just, you know, some people come out of the woodwork that are like, who seem to agree because they're looking for any excuse to. No, man. It's um, no, listen, when you take an icon, people, people learn from the top down. When you take Sean Ray, who's a fucking hall of fame. This is why, this is why it's even worse. If let's say, let's say Nick strength and power was doing the, the commentary and he was talking mm -hmm. about oily shoulders and talking about hair and talking about whatever. I'd be like, okay, you know what, whatever. It sucks, but it's that guy's not, he's not a bodybuilder, so maybe he doesn't understand. When you take Sean Ray, who's a fucking Hall of Famer, who's an icon, and he's the one talking shit, that starts to trickle down to everybody else watching. They, then they feel like they have permission. Well, Sean Ray said yeah. it. I guess I have the permission as well to go on Justin's page and say he's got oily shoulders because Sean Ray said it. There's like no decorum, right? There's no respect. There's no class. 
It's like, it's like you're the top of the fucking game, dude. You're not equal to the guys at the bottom of the game. You're not equal to no. just, you're not equal to just some fucking analyst. You are Sean Ray. You are fucking the cream of the crop. You need to act as such. 